below. I'm going to talk about losing things or giving things up or adapting. So I was talking the other day, it was yesterday. Talking yesterday about how nature is, how it expresses, how it's adapting to changes, changes in seasons, and changes the changes in seasons are an expression of the movement of the sun. And if you could go and observe it in the northern hemisphere, you would see. You'd see the sun lower in the sky. It would never get as uh, high as it would just a few months ago. And you see the colors, the colors around you change. Everything's moving to the, to the lower frequencies, moving from green to yellow to orange and to red, which is low frequency. Now, if you went to the Southern Hemisphere, you'd see the opposite. Things would start to be coming to life again. Thing, things would be green. The sun would be getting higher. All the animals would, would be starting to come out. It'd be springtime. All the buds from the flowers would be blooming, right? So... The way that we experience seasons or the way that we experience the movement of the sun is very subjective because we can only we can only see one perspective at a time but because there's such a we got instantaneous communications now right so you could have somebody in the southern hemisphere sending you pictures or videos of what is happening around them and then you can do the same in the Northern Hemisphere. And that's, that's sharing a perspective. It's sharing a perspective that's subjective to the person that's capturing it. But like I said, it's non-physical. The, uh, the image, the video, the perspective is non-physical can't experience it you can only experience what you're subjected to if you went to the northern hemisphere you could be subjected to that perspective you could experience it so what did I mean about losing things well After the autumnal equinox in the uh, northern hemisphere, as the sun starts to get lower and lower in the sky, you get less of the less of the high frequency energy. So it's more low frequency that you're left with. 
which is why it feels cooler. Which is why the trees and plants all start to express uh, different colours. It's, it's an expression of what's happening in reference. It's sort of it's an expression of the sun. They're expressing the same thing. The movement of the sun. And eventually the trees would lose the leaves because they're no longer needed. They don't need them during the winter because there's nothing they 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 provide no function to to keep them to keep the uh, sorry to keep the leaves green to keep them living would require light or would require high frequency energy from the sun it would also it would require light it would require oxygen sorry it would require co2 but it would be unbalanced right if um, if the trees maintained the state all year it would be it would be unbalanced because the sun would still move the sun would still move away the trees would be getting less light so they would be um, less photosynthesis and the atmosphere would become maybe too enriched with O2 with oxygen because the southern hemisphere that's O2 is going to increase when they get more light because that's what the the leaves provide that function they absorb the light and the CO2 and then a byproduct of that is O2 which is then put back into the atmosphere so it would create an unbalanced environment So just think about that. There is an idea that some people have uh, talked about, and that's all it is, it's an idea. Whether they've paid anyone to do anything is another question, but it's an idea. So their idea was to have zero carbon emissions. Now based on what I've just said, it creates something of an imbalance, right? Because it would just be the same as if you had um, too much O2. 
it would create an imbalance. So let's say whatever you, uh, however you implemented it, the zero carbon strategy, which I think typically revolves around getting rid of uh, combustion engines, so cars that've got petrol or diesel engines, anything that emits something, emits a gas. So that seems to be the primary primary driver is to stop you from buying a combustion engine but to go and buy an electric car instead. Now if you took all of the petrol cars off the road that's going to cause... Is it going to cause an imbalance? If there's less carbon dioxide in the atmosphere or just in the, in the lower atmosphere, really. Because if you think about it, where are the trees going to be absorbing... Where are they going to be absorbing those ga that gas from? It's most likely going to be from lower down not going to be the upper atmosphere is it well that's what I think anyway so so let's say you do away with the cars and you just got electric cars what's that going to do to the trees they're going to have less co2 to absorb and they're going to produce less O2 right because they require CO2 for a, a process of photosynthesis right that's my understanding so if there's less CO2 there's less O2 being produced so it's pretty much the same situation that you've got now Except the situation right now must be balanced. And it must be balanced because trees aren't dying. Nothing. Nothing in nature is dying. And nature is the primary consumer of CO2. So, so... So what is the actual... What is the actual goal in losing the... Uh, in losing the CO2? I think it's just a... I think it's just a reason. I don't think there's any... There can't be any logic behind it. Because it's just going to mean... There will be less CO2 in the lower atmosphere. 
or rather there'll be less CO2 in the lower atmosphere over a sparse uh, over a longer over a longer <laughs> over a longer amount of landmass sounds like such a difficult way to explain it but basically you've got CO2 being emitted over a longer distance whereas when you when you remove those cars and you switch everyone to electric or you, you tell everyone to go electric all of those charging points are all emitting well they're all getting their energy from wherever let's say let's say a central power station for a particular region so where those emissions would typically have been spread over maybe hundreds of miles now those emissions are concentrated in over a few miles and I know it's like oh but they're gonna they're not gonna have uh, coal or anything like that not gonna have power stations emitting any any uh, kind of gases I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's realistic I think the entire I think the entire operation is just to get people out of just to get people to accept electric cars because with an electric car you're dependent on uh, let's say you're more dependent on central energy on energy being supplied by uh, big companies and you have to have a registered account in order to get energy right you have to register your name you have to register your you have to have a bank you have to register all your details in order to access the energy network so that is more beneficial to corporations that want to track and monitor your your data and your usage so I think that that is the the primary goal just to convince people to get out of petrol cars and to get people to go into electric cars because the electric cars are more restrictive more restrictive in how far you can drive and more restrictive in how and when you can charge it and the infrastructure required is going to mean it's going to it's going to be rather sh rather shaky it's not going to be stable unless you expand the energy network significantly but if you look at the UK for example there is a 200 I think it's a 200 space car park and they've got five charging points and I've only seen the maximum of two, two bays being used. And it always seems to be people that are, are leaving them like overnight. You know, they just leave them connected overnight and then go and pick it up in the morning.
I don't, <laughs> I don't really know how I got back onto this whole electric vehicle thing. But my intention was when, when I was walking, thinking about what I was talking about with nature in that the trees lose the leaves because they're not required, they're not needed. Because nature is expressing its adaptation to the changing conditions around it. And so I don't know how that went to EVs or petrol cars, you know. It's just one of them things, I guess. It's, uh, even when I think of something interesting to talk about, it always kind of diverges a little bit. But I guess, I guess the underlying premise is the same because people are having to give up the idea of having a petrol car and being able to just go and fill it up in a few minutes go and get petrol like take you a minute to fill it up and have to <laughs> that they're being told that they must adapt that they must accept that you know it's going to take what the fuck it's going to take um, a few hours to charge it up but that's the reality they're being forced to kind of accept not sure something weird has happened here somebody Somebody fallen out of a scooter? There's um fucking weird is this? So I'm like next to this little next to this little river, a yeah, little stream, and somebody has dumped a mobility scooter. I thought I thought I thought somebody may be falling out, but I can't see anyone. I'm not sure what. I'm not sure what it's doing though. It is weird though. Because if you're in a mobility scooter, you won't be able to walk. Typically, anyway. I can't see anyone around. I can't see any trails or anything. Mm. Anyway, so yeah, maybe it's just about having to give things up or something. That is why I don't know. That is what they're trying to get people to do or something. They're trying to get people to adapt to that when it is um, not something that is it's just an idea it's not something that is you can't really go and observe it you can you can go and buy an electric car and most of the most of the people I've spoken to that 
that have them. It's, it's always been the same. They, they're really excited in the beginning when they're, you know, choosing a car or looking at the savings or looking at, looking at all these aspects that they're told is going to benefit them. And so it's, it's interesting to hear say after months of ownership because it is like oh it's great you know you don't you only have to replace tires and brakes and things but like everything everything's going to decay things just decay at different rates depending on usage if you use an electric car as much as you use a petrol car the components are still going to decay it's not going to it's not going to last forever without any wear and tear without any type of decay so I think there's kind of a false uh, a false dichotomy is it in which people think that because there's no engine there's no there's no components to break but if you think about how many components are on an engine on a petrol car the things that tend to tend to go wrong or tend to just wear out after maybe like 75,000 miles starter motor alternator water pump they're all electrical components they're not mechanical it's not like your pistons not like the pistons in your engine are going to fail after 75,000 miles as long as you keep it maintained keep it well oiled and keep it um, you're not like revving it the, the actual engine itself will last for hundreds of thousands of miles when you talk about electrical components and you're looking at like resistance and things like that where you got um like alternators and starter motors they have a lot of they've got to have resistance in them because they they have to, the alternator has to produce a current in order to charge the battery back up the accessory or the the accessory and starter battery but it, it's the same it's the same as a motor in a an electric car it's the same kind of concept it's just the electric motors are high torque the electric vehicles which means there's more resistance or variable resistance so it's likely not going to be cheap because that's essentially your engine if you've got two electric motors so you've got one driving each side of the car each axis uh, sorry each side of the car front or rear axis rear axle even they're going to be expensive to replace And the battery packs are going to be expensive to replace. So there's not going to be such a great demand for second-hand electric vehicles unless they've had components replaced already. Because there is going to be degradation in the um, amount of charge the battery will hold. I think everyone's experienced that with laptops or tablets or smart uh, smartphones 
the batteries degrade and they don't hold they they tend to lose the charge quicker in certain conditions as well if your phone gets very hot you'll find the battery is draining much quicker because if there's a lot of heat <laughs> if there's a lot of heat being produced um, it means there's a lot of energy being put into some component of your phone so yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't want to drive around in a vehicle that is being controlled by predominantly by software because it's all sensors it's all like it's all electronics I don't think I don't think the um, the braking system is even hydraulic because they would need to have to ha they would need to have hydraulic components in there like um, cylinders and I've never really looked too close at electric cars in terms of the braking system. I just know they have some sort of regenerative braking, so that must mean they've got some sort of special system. But I can't see, yeah, maybe that maybe they wouldn't have gone away from a hydraulic system, but implementing a hydraulic system into an electric vehicle. I mean, with a combustion engine, you've already got vacuums and stuff that you can use to boost the brake um, pressure. So, I don't know. It seems a bit weird. Anyway, I just, I did have a think, I did have a thought about something else that I was going to talk about. But as usual, it's gone. It looks like someone's either stolen it or has run out of battery and they couldn't take it, so they tried to hide it. It is kind of hidden, just as long as you don't look down near the bridge. Um, yeah, I think with... Um, electric vehicles is moving away from something having a, some sort of soul some sort of feeling because when you drive a car that's got no like no real electronics in it it feels like a car if you know what I mean it has some feeling to it I've driven um, I drove a whole bunch of different um different like performance cars and there was one that is more electronic and you could feel the difference even though it was even though it was the quickest car it didn't have the same feel it didn't feel like uh, it, it just didn't feel like a good experience And those kinds of performance cars are supposed to be about the experience. It's not not the fact that it can get you to a certain uh, 
a certain speed and a certain time it's how it gets you there and that's that's what life is about right it's not about it's not specifically about where you're going or what your purpose is it's, it's more how you get in there the, the experience the experience of getting there and even now that that purpose that that point of where we're going I think it's constantly constantly moving it's a moving target and that's why I think that's why we're being challenged to adapt because we are being constantly challenged there'll be people that will appear in your life events or patterns of things that will appear that will have some sort of I don't know some sort of um, some sort of influence it's going to require something of you or to help someone Yeah, it's going to be, it's not always just a case of, it's not always just a case of um, it being black and white, so to speak. And that, you know, it's like, oh, it's just, that's just what happens kind of thing it's more about it's more about what you're what is being asked here's the thing it's like somebody could be you could walk into a situation, right? And the situation came about because of choices or decisions you made. Sorry, I was just trying to look under the bridge to see if there was anyone there. I had a walk under, but can't see anyone, so I guess I'm just going to leave it. Um, someone could come into, you know, the come into your life the choices and decisions you made that that's where you ended up right at that point somebody whilst they're not directly asking you for anything the telling of the story um it may just be a talking point, right? You could just talk. That's how it could be... That's how it could be interpreted, right? Which is, I think, what most people might might do initially. Start talking about it. But if it was... Let's say that you could kind of read between the lines... 
like straight away and you just acted and you offered help or you offered something that that that's adapting right you're having to I mean even even just the fact of stopping to talk to somebody just the interaction is giving something you're giving your energy in listening to the person right so there's always a balance now if the, the, there's one particular person I'm talking about uh, this guy's had he's had a really bad year but he's not doing himself any favours I'm sure there are things that he's been challenged to do to change in his life but he's not and I think he's around the age of his second Saturn return because the amount of stuff that's happened to him is very much uh, of that theme so now for me I'm going through my nodal return and I I am more feeling it towards uh, my sidereal node which is Aries north node south node Libra and that's kind of been been reflective in events that have happened this year the whole people pleasing thing it kind of kind of evaporated for me it, it had been like a the main thing of my life I don't know I guess since I was a teenager since I was you know in that position of being responsible and that I didn't want to didn't want to upset people I wasn't really taught the difference anyway like to be yourself to to kind of look after yourself I was never really taught that so that's something I've had to had to kind of learn myself I don't, I don't mean like in terms of being able to live independently or live alone I, I could do that no problem it's more it's more being stuck in being service to others like if you're constantly doing things doing things for others and kind of not considering yourself but my I don't know it's see it's, it's, it's weird because it's not always just one energy which is why the charts the, your astrology charts are more of a so it's more of a retrospective because it's like well at this particular point in my life I felt more of the Aries quality like maybe 18 uh, sorry 8 years ago and more of the Taurian because in traditional astrology is Taurus my north node is Taurus 
So I can relate to Uri's and Taurus. Now it's more Uri's than it was a mix. And younger, when I was younger, 18 and 19, it was Uri's. So it's almost like every nine years, every time the nodes shift, every time the nodes shift 180, there seems to be this change in prevalence. Like, what is the prevalent influence in my life? And at the minute, is Aries. I think it's because maybe it's more what you need at the time. As opposed to it being just like, uh, well, in nine years it's going to be this, and in nine years it's going to be that. Rather than it being so fixed, it could just be what you need at the time. Because if you think about think about the seasons and how everything adapts to the seasons. Now the seasons are pretty fixed right so the trees and nature does what it does at the right time but for humans the adaptation is a little bit different because some winters may be very cold some winters may not be cold do you know what i mean so there's a difference in um in adaptation for humans for animals and nature they tend to always do the same thing right unless spring comes early in which the um, things would kind of kick off earlier than normal yeah I think it's more I think it's more we're picking up on what we need or we're being influenced by what we need at those uh, particular times rather than it being fixed it's uh, adaptation it's what you need at that time and I guess that's I guess, in a way, that's how you give up things, right? Because it's the things that that prevent you from... It's the things that prevent you from accessing, like, the full potential of that energy. Like, with Libra South Node, the people-pleasing thing. In order to be more... I guess conscientious of yourself and what you want to do, what your dreams, like if you're giving up doing anything for yourself in order to just help everyone else, then that is, it's kind of the opposite of what you should be doing. Because that, that's not balanced, but if it was on balance, it would be taking each situation as it is and measuring it, measuring it that way. Like, is this going to put me in any detriment in terms of what I want to achieve? Or 
do I have a choice in whether I'm involved in this or not? Do I need to be involved? What is my, what are my boundaries? I guess that's probably the key thing with with that kind of setup with the Aries North node is you need to have boundaries because with in my experience Libra South node no boundaries because it is kind of like well these people are relying on you these people need this and that and it's kind of like you don't want to say no you feel bad and that's that's where the the opposing end of it would come into play where it's like I can give you some advice but that is but that is the most I can be involved kind of thing it's it's kind of setting the setting the boundary before before it becomes kind of like open open to where, where the expectations are not are not set you know so someone might might become like fully dependent on you managing a situation for them but if you draw the box you draw the boundary and say like look this is this is kind of the amount of my involvement and then that's it and I think that's that's been more way more prevalent this year and and that that's what happened where I've had to set that I've had to set boundaries with people or I've just had to cut people out completely because they have no intention of changing they just want what they want and they don't really care about how they get it so that that would be detrimental to me so all I did in that case was I asked them to explain Asked them to explain why they um, why they were so harsh in responding to something I messaged them about because they messaged me out of the blue saying that basically telling me how to how to deal with a problem I had or a problem I'd been facing. And it just resulted more to, oh, just sort it out. So it wasn't really helpful. It was more, they didn't really know. They didn't really know what they were saying or how to, how to help. So rather than just say, like, I'm sorry, I can't help. Or if you need here to listen kind of thing. It was a, <laughs> it felt more like an attack. So I just said, like, look. Can you please explain that before we go any further, before we meet up again or something, you know? And they were just like, no. They didn't want to. They didn't want to um, 
admit that they may have done something wrong that they may have said something wrong so I was like okay I've kind of given them the given them the boundaries it's like just explain explain what that was all about and that that's it but they didn't want to and that was my that was my dad and he's always been he's, he's got he's got issues from when he was uh, I don't know like early 20s he never wants to talk about it he never sees that he needs help so he just uses it uses it as a weapon so in responding to me telling him about my problem he says that he, he never had any help when he was younger so I'm kind of like okay if that is the um, that is kind of like the level he's at nobody helped me so why should I help anybody else which is fair enough like I get it but But at the same time, don't expect me to go out of my way to um, keep in contact. So again, that's that's a form of adaptation because it's like, well, that person is just causing conflict in my life because of their own issues because they, they don't want to deal with their issues they don't want any help and so I've got control and I've got choice over well I don't want that person to continue to have that influence so so that's it and if they later chose to go in um I don't know, just changed the mind that they wanted to talk about it. I've left it open that it's it's up to them. But it's been I don't know, it's been forty something years, so I don't think there's gonna be much change. Which is alright. That's it's the decision. And so I don't need to, I don't need to worry about that. I think that's, that's the uh, challenge I've been facing. It's just to learn that not everyone wants help. So even though you might be that way inclined to always help people, some people may not want it. And you have to acknowledge that and just say, okay. You can leave it open if you want and say, right, if you wanted to get in touch again, 
and then you just set the set the boundary or something but if it is a person that is just so caught up that they don't want help it's, it's quite easy to get stuck in that get caught up in it because it'll be a constant they'll call you up and tell you about the same problem but they never want to change anything so you kind of have to if they're not putting themselves in a position of wanting to change you kind of have to stop enabling them in continuing to do the same thing so if all they're doing is calling you up and saying telling you the same story every month, every three months every six months, right telling you the same thing, you have to say like don't contact me about this anymore here is my, here's my advice again, but don't contact me about it anymore and then that's it or don't contact me until until you decide to change something because in that situation in that pattern of behaviour you're the only thing that can change or make the choice because they don't want to so anyway I think that was it um, you'd think of a meaningful name for that <laughs>